I'm Jason, he's Rich, and this is Remastered, not Remote Patrol. We had to uh, go ahead and put a cap on the season of Remote Patrol. I loved that show. That was a whole lot of fun, and it will be back, definitely. But because of work schedules and all that, Rich and I decided to go ahead and throw some Remastered episodes out there when we could. And today we're actually, I mean, you're going to be hearing these probably, you know, a little bit of time apart as they're released, but we're doing a marathon. This is fun. I'm excited. It's a lot of talking to be done today. It's going to be good, this. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun, but the first thing that we're going to tackle is Batman. And this is something I've been wanting to talk about forever. Because there was this huge Batman boom when I was growing up. Tim Burton's 1989 movie came out. Everybody lost their crap. There was the Bat Dance, Bat Serial, Batman magazines, Batman binders, Batman pencils. You wouldn't believe all the Batman stuff, at least that we had over here. I'm not sure how things panned out over there. But I was exactly the right age for Batman. Um, I was one year too young. This was so you didn't really get into it. Well, this was this was the first film in the UK that they invented a new uh, certification for. This the twelve certificate was invented for Batman, and I was eleven. And that seems like it's awfully late because we had the whole PG thirteen after Temple of Doom, which would have been maybe. What was it? Five years before that? Six yeah. years before that? Yeah, we 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 just stuck with the PG before then. Um, we eventually changed the twelve to a twelve A, so that you could go with your parents if you were under twelve. Uh, and that's how it is now. There was a lot of trouble with Jurassic Park surrounding that as well, because a lot of people said it should have been a twelve, but maybe not. But it was more than a PG, and so uh, and so things get invented. And this was a 12. So I actually saw it on home video release. Uh, which you didn't even get to see it in the theater? No. Nope. Oh. Nope. Didn't. Well, there were a lot of things that came out. Superheroes were big before Tim Burton's Batman. I mean, there were lots of properties out there. I grew up on them. What kind of superhero stuff did you grow up on before this movie was released? Did, did you have a foundational superhero experience? Absolutely. So I think it started... Um, let me think. So... Renting videotapes was the beginning of this, pretty much, because one thing that they seemed to release in abundance was the old Marvel cartoons on, on VHS. So you're, you're talking about like the, uh, well, it wouldn't have been Justice League, that's DC. So what the, old Marvel cartoons? Right, so Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, uh, Submariner, all these kinds of ones from the early 60s. I think they're sort of 1958 to 1964. Oh, man, I forgot how many Spider-Man cartoons there actually were. Yeah, if you look at Netflix, there's just like one title after title after title. Yeah, they, they go on forever. And so that was pretty much my superhero foundation. We had Superman, obviously, because there were the movies. Uh, and Spider-Man cartoons were still on TV kind of later ones, things like The Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends with Firestar and Iceman. Firestar's never gotten any love since that, has she? No, not at all. I, I don't know why. Um, well, she I, was kind of lame. I mean, even the costuming was bad. That hasn't stopped other characters, but I don't know. Maybe something. To, maybe it was a little bit of inbuilt, inbuilt sexism. Maybe so. I've read a lot of Spider-Man comics and she hasn't cropped up, so clearly they're not mates anymore. You know, um, and I, th- I wonder if somebody lost the license for her. Maybe she expired somehow. Maybe so, because we've had Iceman in various X Men films, haven't we? 
Sure, he was one of the founding members of the X-Men. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what's going on with that. But that was, that was my superhero foundation. And of course, we had the Batman Adam West TV show was rerun over and over again. See, now that's where I come in, because one of my very earliest memories is that Adam West TV show. I remember being, had to have been three years old or so and watching that um, with some of my parents' friends. And looking back, I mean, it was terrible. The series reduced Batman to a joke. But as a kid, I didn't know that. I mean, he just, he fought evil. And everything Batman was good at that point. I was aware there was something weird about it. Um, it, it was odd. And you could, I could always tell that it was odd. It wasn't as serious as, say, Superman films. Well, you could tell that it was saturated with jokes. I mean, there's no getting over, like, the the bat uh, thermos or the, the, the bat funnel. You know, when he pulls out these ridiculous bat-branded things, you oh, know yeah. that it's a joke. You just don't know that that's bad. You don't know that there's anything other than that in superheroes. And, and he's, he's slightly tubby as well, isn't he? Adam West. He's, I have seen a couple of episodes lately, and it is amazing how wide he is around the stomach. Yeah, he, he's not a trim buff fella at all. It's not that he's fat, either. It's just that he, he's more pillow than anything. Yeah. So I, I think you could always tell it wasn't serious. But I'm trying to think if there was anything else around the time. There was the, the, uh, the Hulk TV series with Bill Bixby. Another one that kind of fits into that whole, like, Dukes of Hazard, something that you would watch on a Sunday afternoon, uh, maybe, like, uh, Buck Rogers comes on, and then and then the Hulk, and you get the sad walking away music that everybody knows. Have you gone back and watched any of that on Netflix, though? I haven't, because it scares me. Or it scared, well, that was, it scared that me was as a child. That was one of the shows that I considered it, making you watch as part of Remote Patrol. And I, I watched the pilot just to see if it was worth it. That pilot takes for ever before there's anything worth watching this is the problem with the hulk and it always has been is when do we get to see the hulk and it's either too much hulk or not enough hulk or something like that That's at the same time he's one of the most brilliant characters because the story isn't about the hulk the story's about bruce banner and looking at it from an adult viewpoint like from a hey this is literature standpoint He's one of the best superheroes out there because he loses control. It's all about the man trying to overcome his own inhuman nature, the beast buried within. It's pretty amazing stuff that way. It just doesn't work when you're a kid because you want it's Hulk smash. Yeah, that's it indeed. And uh, like I say, I was scared to death of the Hulk when I was little. Absolutely petrified. Uh, it, it was a bit much, Lou Ferrigno. I was a very sensitive child. To be fair. Um, but I, I do like the character. I'm sat in front of a big pile of World War Hulk and Planet Hulk comics that I have yet to read. So I, I at least know they exist and I, I've got them. Or I borrowed them it's, off uh, mic. At least one of those is on Netflix as well as an animated show. Yeah, I've, I've tried. And it's not, it's not quite Good. doing it. No, I didn't like it either. It's the, but to... It's the obviously cheap method of animation. Yeah, this new cartoon style that has come since like 2003, 2004, where it's extremely, extremely low quality and it's all about the jokes and the writing. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan at all of that. It's a bit odd. Super high quality hasn't been exactly the touchstone of these comic book properties anyway. I mean, going back and looking at the big one, when I was little, of course, before the whole Batman thing, was Superman. 
And the 1979, was it 79 that Superman came to the big screen? That sounds familiar. I will, I will just double check this. It's like either 77 or 79, but at any rate, the Christopher Reeve Batman when that came out, just before I was born, so it was foundational. It was running on television as the movie of the week by the time I was old enough to see it. 1978. Uh, oh, so I split the difference. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so that was up on the big screen, and it was not great. I mean, they had the whole tagline about how you will believe a man can fly, but looking back at it now, the blue screen tech that they were using at the time is just painful. Some of it's all right, though, I think. I mean, the blue screen bad is the blue screen stuff is bad. Well, I mean, you can see the the framework. Or you can see the halo that he's got around him any time that he's stuck against the blue screen. Yeah, but some of the optical stuff, the live action stuff, where he just sort of takes off, is actually quite well done. Well, the stuff that they did with practical effects was great. It's when they tried to mix in that technology that just wasn't ready at the time. Excuse me. And that's probably <laughs> Star Wars is one of the reasons why I'm still such a big fan of the old practical effects. Me too. We, we saw it work well, and when it's done well, it can be incredible. Um, and I think, I, I think we're only just coming out of a period with computer special effects where they're getting really good now. It, it's sort of like they've been very good for sort of the last 10 years or so, but not perfect. And now we're reaching the point where I really think they can just make anything be on screen that they want to be on screen, especially after seeing Into Darkness and The Avengers. We're done with special effects now, surely. They can just do anything. Um, it's the law of diminishing returns. I mean, there's going to be incremental improvements. Your human and animal characters that are CG are going to become more and more fluid so that they don't look as cartoony. But I mean, backgrounds, the actual effects themselves... Uh, any kind of, like, what they would have done in post for, like, lightsabers yeah. and all that Star Wars. It's just not necessary anymore. It's all done so quickly, so easily, and so cheaply now. I like it like this, though, especially if it's, it's done good. well. Well, I mean, it, it gives someone like you and I the ability to go out and actually do it ourselves. Look at all those Star Wars fan films that are floating around out there where there are lightsaber effects that look better than the original stuff. I may have participated in such things myself at one point. <laughs> so uh, Superman was that huge foundational thing, of course, uh, along with the Batman TV show. But, I mean, everyone in the world has had a chance to weigh in on this already. We might as well do it. Superman or Batman for you? Is there one or the other that you like better? I prefer Batman. It's Good. A, it's a more vulnerable character. Um, That's my boy. And I'm with those, I can only claim to be working off films and TV as well. I've never read a Batman or Super com uh, Superman comic. No. Um, I, I've just never gotten to it. And I, I think I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm trying to suppress my urge to explore other comic books because it's just so damned expensive. You know, yeah, it, I think the best way to do it for me personally, because I'm I'm extremely cheap. I'm not sure if you've caught on to that. I don't. I, if I can save a dime, I will. Yeah. But uh, the best way to do it for me is trade paperbacks. If you pick up, you know, what was originally seven issues bound as one on a sale shelf at the bookstore or on Amazon, even better, then you can really save a lot of money. Like a lot of these Batman books that are the big epic books, the Long Halloween, Hush, um, all those. Uh, Final Crisis, you know, all the all the really big ones. You can get them for under 20 bucks. Right. See, the, the Comixology app isn't bad, and they do do the collections. 
as well, so you can get them a bit cheaper. Uh, but it's just following new ones. I, you start off reading Spider-Man, and then they, they'll bring in this character and go, oh, this guy's only here because of something that's happening in this other comic book you should go and read. And you go away and get that other comic book, and then you realise there's a special edition other thing come out that's just five issues. And before you know it, just reading Spider-Man has escalated to a 50, 60 pound a month habit. And then you realise you'd quite like to read Deadpool as well. And so it, it starts stacking up. <laughs> uh, and we had, Alison and I had the talk, uh, which went along the lines of her saying, I can deal with this at this level, but do not get any worse. Like, okay. Because there are all those titles, though, and because Batman has had so many different iterations, I mean, like, go back and look at how many different types of, how many brands of Batman books there are. Oh, God, yeah. You can have any flavor of Batman that you want, but there's still some core central tenets of his character and personality that always come through. And I never liked Superman quite as much as Batman because he wasn't quite as relatable. Yeah, uh, I think which, so. I mean, that's hilarious even to just to say that. I'm kind of thinking through it in my head now, thinking how dumb it sounds because Bruce Wayne is a billionaire playboy. Clark Kent's a low-paid reporter. I should identify with Clark Kent. But he's a god. I mean, you can't you can't identify with a god. Of course, it never occurred to me you could be Superman. I am. I mean, <laughs> I'm not Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Superman is this bulletproof god, though. Who who can understand that? Batman has his wits. He's got his tools. He's just himself. His will. His force of personality standing against the forces of evil. Whereas Superman, even though he's a reporter by day, I mean, Superman's this untouchable. Boy Scout, this force yeah. of good who's always trying to be the, the essential mama's boy. The thing with Superman is is that you've got to come up with a way in each story for him to be in some way potentially beaten. Oh, well, there's the two big things, right? The only two weaknesses? Well, Kryptonite and what's the other one? Magic. Superman's weak against magic. Right, okay. Aren't we all? Um, so you pit him up against a, a witch or, or something like that, and all of a sudden he's vulnerable. It's a bit odd. Uh, and so all the things that can hurt him are really strange. And so you've got to have some weird thing occur for that item to be uh, present. It, it's quite odd. Whereas Batman, anyone can have a go at Batman. You know, it, it's it's much easier. I can live with that. And he doesn't have you any superpowers. Like Batman's going to handle it, though. Like, Batman's just a human. He's just like me. But he's always going to be the guy who can take care of any supervillain. Superman, you're always like, eh, they're going to find some... If they're going to go through all the um, acrobatics to find something that can take Superman down, then he might get he might get dead by the end. Have they killed Superman a couple of times in comics? Well, there was the big one in... And I'm going to mess this up. Shoot. What was it? Like, 1991? The death of Superman? Right. I, I don't know Where? anything about it. You, you've never even read that one? No. Okay, time to Wikipedia here so I get this right. All right. Death of Superman. It was a huge deal. It was all over the news. I mean, this was the big one. Superman was America at that point, right? Especially, no, Of course, it's not going to come across that way over there. But over here, it's like they took America, held it up for a sniper, and just said, go ahead. Let the terrorists win. Uh, 1992, by the way. Right. Uh, huge multi-issue mark. I remember that summer, the final book came out. It had the huge silver Superman logo on it. Um, and inside it was, um, doomsday. Have you ever, 
you seen Doomsday, right? Big gray guy, rocky looking, has bones sticking out. Okay. Doomsday was this genetically engineered superhuman that they basically made to kill off Superman. He he was Superman without a without a conscience. Right. And they it, took him out. And they killed him. And then he was dead. That was it. And then just so they stopped making Superman comics for a while then, I assume. Well, for a little while. Yeah, I mean, nobody's ever dead in the comic book world. And then all of a sudden it came back. There were, I don't remember exactly how this plot line boiled out because it was it was bad. It wasn't good reading. Um, but there were th- like three supermen who came back and they were all like different aspects of his personality. One was like made out of steel. Another was, shoot, god damn, what was it? Uh, I think there was like a Superboy. I don't remember who else. But anyway, these different aspects of Superman all came back. And then there was some huge cataclysmic thing where Superman was reborn. Right, okay. I mean, the old jokes in comics is that nobody stays dead except for Bucky. And since then, they've even resurrected Bucky. Hang on just a second. Sorry. Oh, fuck. Sorry, the phone started ringing. I had to pick it up <laughs> or it would have carried on. <laughs> This actually looks quite good. So, yeah, it it became, what was it? The kid who was teenage clone of Superman and Man of Steel, who looked, yeah, literally made of steel. Exactly. And the last son of Krypton, a visored energy-powered alien who dealt with crimes lethally. Okay. See, I'd I'd be... Like I said, it, it wasn't good reading. Right, okay. And it's not like I was huge into comics anyway at that point in time because I grew up in an extremely poor family. So buying something like a comic book at a dollar ninety nine or two ninety nine a pop was not something that the family was going to do. Especially when, like you said, one leads to the other, and then they have the little notation that says, eh, "You don't get this pot. See Superman, Man of Steel, issue number seventy nine. Yeah, it, it adds up. I'm I'm amazed that it's something that children do. Instead of exclusively adults without children, you know, because it, it's before you know it, you're just spending so much money on little comics, and I fly well, through them. I mean, the I, comics industry at this point is adults. There yeah. aren't really kids reading them. The kids have plenty of media to consume other than comic books. I mean, it is even in the DC animated universe or the Marvel animated universe. There's all those hours of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and uh, the X-Men TV show and all the different variations that came after. They don't need comic books. I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right. So now it's middle-aged men who are reaching back and looking to recapture their youth who are going out and spending $4.99 or $6.99, depending on what kind of an issue you're getting. Well, I mean, what is it? An episode of uh, Superior Spider-Man is $2.49 here. Uh, and it's, it's what, 15 minutes of entertainment at the most. And I, I totally appreciate the skill and artwork that goes into a, your, your average comic book every month. But it still only takes me 10, 15 minutes to read it. And it still costs all that money. Even That's why, like I said, I'm, I'm the ultimate penny pincher. I really do not spend money unless I have to. Oh, or, well, I mean, that's a bald-faced lie. I really don't spend money until I can justify it in my head. Yeah. So I'm buying these trades. I have never bought a single-issue comic book. I probably have, I don't know, 15, 14, 15 comic books total. But it's a lot of reading. When you get these things that come in like a, a couple hundred pages, that's more than just sitting on the toilet once. Yeah, I suppose it is. 
I think the best thing to do is find a friend who has all these and borrow theirs. Because <laughs> that is that is essentially what I've done with a lot of things. I, I wait for Mike to buy them and then I'll borrow Mike's. It's the best way to do it. You've all lived- that being said, the, the movie version of Batman is my version of Batman, that Tim Burton one. Yeah, I would. The- yeah, I'll go with that. It's not the comic book one. It's not the Adam West one, even though those were kind of formative experiences at one point. It's definitely that dark, brooding, weird, twisted, e- extreme version of Batman. And for, do you know what? For me, it's it's still only the first Tim Burton, Michael Keaton Batman as well. I, I well, they got progressively worse, of course. Everyone yeah. knows that. They also got progressively goofier. It was it, it was too much that I I don't know why that happened. Because I think all those other films could have been so much better than they were. They were trying at some point. I can't remember what the titles are. Because they didn't just go Batman 1, Batman 2, and Batman 3. But what was the one with Poison Ivy? That was... Right, hang on. Let me think them through in order. So Batman, Batman Returns. Batman Forever was the Val Kilmer Jim Carrey one. So the one with Ivy would have been Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. I feel like I'm missing one. No, because Val Kilmer only did one, then it was George Clooney, wasn't it? So that will have been Batman and Robin. By the time that they got around to that one, you can see how they're actually trying to go back and mimic some of the things from the Adam West TV show. Because all of a sudden they're back to using like um, the gaudy costumery. They've got the return of those Dutch angles, you know, how they cant the camera on the side to kind of give it the unbalanced look. Yep. Um, they go for a lot more of the one-liners. I think that Chris O'Donnell utters a holy Batman or a holy, you know, holy platform or something like that Batman joke. You've got Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is terrible as Mr. Freeze in that absolutely ridiculous costume. Have a nice day. Terrible. Terrible. That's the one where they jump out of a rocket and surf down. Because you can do that. That's that's what happens. You don't need a parachute. Just something closely resembling a surfboard. And as long as you land on the roof of a building at an angle and surf down it, you're fine. It's also the one where they had Bane. Do you remember how Bane came into play and how much or how different he was from the current incarnation of Bane? Oh, yeah. And wasn't it like 15 seconds of screen time as well? It was an odd yeah. thing. He was like half plant or something like that, and all he did was go. Yeah, I, I mind you, that's all I heard from the Christopher Nolan Bane, anyway. (laughs) So makes no difference to me. I understand that there is a a place where the Christopher Nolan Batman's can fit, but I still like the 1990s version of Batman better than I do his. the The new one is just too grim. I don't like how hopeless it is. I totally agree. I, I don't like the last two Christopher Nolan ones. I liked Batman Begins. Uh, I did not like the two that followed it. I thought they were just bad movies. Uh, and I don't I think... Liked, I, didn't I think, liked the middle one. I really did. It's just, how often can you rewatch that? It's something that is so life and death, so high stakes, so not fun. This is about ethics and about pain and suffering. I see what you mean. They're, they're just not... Ex- it's just grimness, isn't it? It's exciting without being uplifting. Yeah. that that That's the best way of putting it, I think. I totally agree with you. Exciting without being uplifting. Yeah. Whereas if you watch like the 1992 Batman the Animated Series, 
that is some awesome stuff. And it's super, super grim, but at the same time, it's like every single episode, Batman is there to win. He's there to make a difference. Is that the uh, the Warner Brothers one? Yeah, it's really great. I've got it all on DVD. I've never seen it, but I've I hear you're not the first person I've I've heard talking about how good it is. Doesn't that it have does, Mark Hamill as the Joker? It sure does. See that alone makes me want to watch it. Actually, you need to find some YouTube footage of Mark Hamill doing the Joker in person. It is eerie watching old Mark Hamill. First of all, not <laughs> Luke Skywalker, like aged. Face cracked, Mark Hamill. I need a cigarette, Mark Hamill. <laughs> and he's doing this voice that's coming out, and it's the voice of pure evil. Weird. I've just. Not a lot. The animated so series. No, there's not a whole lot on there. The animated series is not. Um, the more recent The Batman is not on there. Pretty much you're just going to get like the Justice League stuff. I'm not even getting that. I think I'm on Canadian Netflix at the moment. I'm if just, you go to US, yeah. it's uh, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. You can even get the Diedrich Bader version of Batman Bold and Brave and the Bold. Right. Now, the Canadians just have the Adam West Batman movie. Oh, yeah, it's on US Netflix, too. I tried watching that in preparation for this podcast. Good God, it is terrible. Is it hard getting through again? It is extremely difficult to go back to that kind of sensibility. Because it's just Bat-Shark after bat grenade after i mean it's it's just so kish oh yeah he gets the shark on his leg doesn't he forgot about that they're stranded in the middle of the ocean and the shark is rushing at the dinghy that he and robin are holding on to yeah and it cuts you don't see it you don't ever see it get to its leg nothing it's oh maybe i'm mixing it up see even like two days later it's hard to remember because I can't remember if this is the scene with the missiles or with the shark. See, that doesn't Forget. bode well, does it? It can't be that no. good. It doesn't. But anyway, at one point, there's a dolphin that throws itself in the way of either the missiles or the shark. And Batman makes the comment about the noble dolphin that sacrificed its life. He was a very honorable, nice Batman, though, wasn't he, I suppose? Oh, it was the uh, bat shark repellent. It cuts. You don't see it. You just see him and Robin riding away, and Batman says, yeah, it's a good thing I had my bat-shark repellent on my belt. Excuse me, I don't... I think, I think I'm fighting something off here. <clears throat> Excuse me. You okay there, Buck? Yeah, yeah, I'm just having a little sneezing, eye-watering moment. I'm okay now. I'm okay. It's fine. It makes for coffee time. It does. Um, where were we? Brought up a list of uh, American superhero films. Let me find it. Well, again. this could take a while. Surprisingly, not as long as you would think. Because it goes 1951 Superman and the Mole Men. 1960. Now, would that have been George Reeves? Quite possibly. It doesn't. Hang on, let's have a look. Or you... George Reeve. No S. No, it's George Reeves with an S. According to and Christopher Reeve? Yes, I think that's it. See, I always get confused about that. It never occurred to me that they were different. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, that's one. Um, so Superman in the Mole Men. Batman, 1966. Then it jumps to 1977 with Abar, the first black Superman. Which is a significant enough movie to not have its own Wikipedia page. 
I've never even heard of that. Rich. No, I, I, I'm, I don't know what that one is. And then to 1978 to Superman. So between Batman and Superman, there was nothing really. There's not a whole lot of pedigree there, except I don't know how late serials ran. How long were you sitting in the theater being able to see these things? I've no idea. You know, the Flash Gordon and the Buck Rogers serials were super popular in the 40s and I don't, maybe into the 50s. But were you getting this kind of stuff in the 60s and 70s? I wouldn't have thought so. I think that kind of stuff would have even looked dated for the 60s. Because that's the classic sort of, here's a sparkler in the bottom of a toilet roll tube. Look, it's a spaceship <laughs> kind of thing. Definitely was that sort of thing. You know, I, I've seen them because I think for some reason they re-ran them on sort of a Sunday morning kind of thing over here when I was little. Um, but it seems like you're describing a pretty big blackout in superhero media. I mean, there was the whole thing with the comic book code in the United States where, su where anything having to do with comic books really had a huge crackdown. Parents hated them. They were the video games of their day. You know, how everyone is losing their crap right now about the negative effects of Grand Theft Auto on our children. It was the same thing with comic books here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so there was about a 25-year gap between Superman and the Mole Men and things really getting going in the late 70s. Because uh, then you get Superman, Superman 2, Condor Man, it lists... Uh, Swamp Thing, Superman 3, Supergirl, The Toxic Avenger. Did you see Supergirl? Of course you've seen Supergirl. I've seen Supergirl. That has uh, Faye Dunaway in it, right? It does. As the Again, the evil witch who's brought in to fight the Kryptonian, because magic, Kryptonian's weak against magic. What do you think of Supergirl as a film? Well, it's a terrible film. I mean, it was clearly a cash-in on, hey, we don't get the girl audience with Superman, so let's bring in the girl audience. Yeah. It was much lower budget. The acting was terrible. Did she ever do another movie? Because it was introducing. Yeah, she did. Well, who is she? Helen Slater. Bear with me while I just bring up her Wikipedia page. I've seen her in lots of things. If you go and watch the trailer, though, the trailer is blatantly and introducing Helen Slater as Supergirl. Let's see. She was in. Uh... Right, so her filmography, according to Wikipedia, is Supergirl, The Legend of Billie Jean, Ruthless People, The Secret of My Success. I've heard of that one. Sticky Fingers. Yeah, Sticky Fingers, improv title, Happy Together, The Great Air Race, Capital News. She was in City Slickers. She was in a Seinfeld. Uh, 1201. That was a nice little TV movie. Um, Go back to Seinfeld. Which episode was it? Was it the one where he had his toothbrush in the toilet? It's called The Good Samaritan. Hmm. See, I was trying to put her face into a Seinfeld episode, and I just can't place her. She was in Law and Order, Boston well, Public, so Will, was I. Will and Grace, um, Grey's Anatomy, Smallville. Oh, I see, because they like getting people that were in mm -hmm. Superman in that show. Mm -hmm. uh, Supernatural, CSI New York. Private Practice, Drop Dead Diva. And she's currently filming The Good Mother. So she's worked. She's just not done anything massive. Unless you count City Slickers as huge. Supergirl was not a good movie. It's the exact kind of movie that I want to talk about on Atomic Trivia War. We've been doing the movie night thing. Yeah. And it seems like the absolute perfect movie to talk about. Geeky Angle. 
a rating somewhere between five and six or six and a half, somewhere in there, just, you know, enough that you can make fun of it. I just see, one, I, I just see one of your co-hosts pop up on Facebook every so often going, oh, God, what have you made me watch, Jason? <laughs> well, this week, as we're recording this, they're watching John Dies at the End, which is a movie that I've seen three times now, and I can't tell you if it's a good movie or not. All right. I've seen that pop up on Netflix. It Probably has, from me watching it. <laughs> it has it has Paul Giamatti in it, doesn't it? Yeah, well, for a All right. half a heartbeat. Right. Well, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll watch go that ahead, and, a, and see. What, I'll, I'll let you know. I'm always happy to say whether I think something's shit or not. It is another comic book movie uh, based on it. Well, depending on how you look at it. I mean, it's based on an independent serialized novel that went up on the internet and then it turned into a book. Right. But it has very much of a comic book feel. Okay. See, now since 1980, no, since 78, things have just exploded. There have actually been lots of things it's classing as superhero films. But Well, what happened between Supergirl and Batman? Well, let's have a look. Uh, Supergirl 84, so the same year it says The Toxic Avenger. Then we had Howard the Duck, okay. Superman. Yeah, George Lucas movie. Yeah, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace was 87. Toxic Avenger Part 2 and Part 3. Then Batman. That's what happened. Superman 4, I love so very much. It, it's, you have no idea how much I love that it's movie. It's upsettingly bad. It, it is it's terrible. Just, it's so bad. I, but that, that terribleness didn't play into it for nine-year-old Jason. But the fight in space... That's one of the worst things ever filmed. You're talking about on the moon where Nuclear Man pounds uh, Super. Whoops, I almost said Spider Man pounds Superman into the crust of the moon. Well, th that's bad, but I mean, th there's a, isn't there a bit where they're fighting actually just in space, but because they're not, they're actually clearly stood on a plank of wood that has been painted <laughs> blue and removed from the shot. It has been probably since 1993 or 94 since I've seen that movie, so I will reserve judgment. It's horrific. I have it on DVD. One of the uh, one of the episodes of uh, remaster that we're going to do today is about old movies that we absolutely wore out the VHS when we were kids. That's one of them. My brother and I, Superman Four: The Quest for Peace, like twice on a Saturday is how often that movie would get thrown into the VCR. Oh God, your parents have my sympathies. Gosh. Yeah, you're going to say that a lot, probably. When yeah. We're talking about the movies. Yeah. Mind you, now you have Rylan, Karma will come and get you. She will have Oh, it already you. has. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you everything about um, Strawberry Shortcake, Dinosaur Train, uh, Little Tyke's Adventures. There you go, you see. You There's the revenge. You brought it on yourself. What can I say? <laughs> There's some very... But then... but then, yeah, now then, after Batman, it gets a little weird. Right. Well, don't skip, son. Don't skip. I'll, you can't just say after Batman. I won't skip. I'll I'll go through as to why it gets weird. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> because looking at the list, the number of superhero-related releases explodes after Batman. Because obviously, with Batman being such a big thing, that they've realized there's some money to be made in superhero films, but most of them are garbage. Most of them are just absolutely horrific. We have to remind people that 
we're now in a phase of good superhero films. But it doesn't mean that superhero films themselves are a recent thing. Because after Batman, let's see. The Punisher. Uh, Darkman. The 1990 version of Captain America. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 The Secret of the Ooze. The Giver. The Rocketeer, which actually was quite good, but I don't think he counts as a superhero. He's just a dude with a rocket pack. People take a poop all over the Rocketeer, but that's another one. My brother and I used to watch that constantly. I, 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 I really do like it. I too have seen it 200 times. Um, it's great. Then we have Batman well, Returns. So they got all those out between Batman and Batman Returns. Um, and then we, we keep going with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Meteor Man, The Fantastic Four. Oh, that says unreleased, actually. Um, yeah, that's the one where they made the Fantastic Four movie just to keep the title. Yeah. In order to keep those licenses, you have to keep something in production. You can't just sit on it forever. Yeah. The deal is that you have to be actively working on it and filming it in some cases in order to keep the, the rights to the license. So they made a Fantastic Four movie in, you said, 94, right? Yeah. And you can go to a comic convention and you can buy the bootlegs of it. You can probably find it on Pirate Bay if you look hard. But it's there and it's terrible. It's it's widely regarded as the wart on the underside of comic books. Yeah, I think so. Uh, they followed it with The Crow, Blank Man, The Shadow with Alec Baldwin, The Mask, which I, I really have to say is not a superhero film. I don't know. Guy of the Dark Hero, Batman Forever, Judge Dredd, Tank Girl... Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, Darkman 2, The Crow 2, Barbed Wire, this list is rigged somehow, The Phantom, Darkman 3. Just save us all some time and say The Crow 1 through 9. Have they gone that far with it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it seems like it. Gosh, I didn't know. I didn't, yeah, en- I didn't enjoy the first one as much as I felt I was supposed to, and so I had no interest in the character. It's one of the first one is one of those classic movies that is blown up in your imagination and your memory more than it deserves. Right. But I still like going back and watching it like once every, I don't know, four or five years. It's a fun movie. But if you look at Netflix, they have a bunch of the sequels. They're not worth your time. They're not worth you wasting your subscription on. Right. That's what it feels like. See, so it wasn't until sort of 2000. Well, depending on how you feel about Blade. In 98. Amazing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was all that bad. But in 98, you get Blade. Then in 2000, you're on with X-Men. 2002, we get the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Uh, 2003 is X-Men 2 and the Ang Lee Hulk. Uh, then another Punisher in 2004. When will someone as much make as a I like good to Punisher? Hang my, as long as I like to hang my hat on that Batman, the 1989 one. You've got to go back and identify the 2000 X-Men movie as the beginning of the modern comic book movement. I think so. I, I think it was what launched. I mean, okay, let's let's get back to 1989. First of all, if, is, if we're going to talk about money, do you have a guess about how much Batman took at the box office? I can. I have more than a guess. Four hundred eleven. Yeah, four hundred eleven million <laughs> three hundred forty-eight thousand two nine hundred twenty-four dollars. So if we're not looking at marketing, if we're just looking at box office take versus budget, it made 350 mil, 360 million. It proved that comic books are financially viable. But then all the comic books until about 2000 movie, all the comic book movies 
were not big takers. I mean, can you look at one in there and say, hey, this movie made mega bucks? Uh, I'm just looking now. The next big one is sort of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, which was just over 200 million. But then, what is it? Don't they say sort of you've got to be 100 million to be a blockbuster movie? Right. Uh, I would say so. That's fair. So some of these barely made a, a million dollars. Um, the Rocketeer, which is the better one of the the ones that follow, made forty six million dollars. Um, and it's not till Batman Returns that was two hundred and sixty six million that you really get up to something that's big again. And inside then, the same property, yeah. And right. then the Mask, because Jim Carrey was enormous at the time. And then Batman Forever. God, this it goes on. Judge Dredd made over a hundred million. Did it really? One hundred and thirteen million. One hundred and thirteen and a half. Really? Um, let's see. Crow, City of Angels, Barbed Wire, Phantom. No. Then Batman and Robin is another 200 million plus. All the others are really barely scraping anything. Blade. It seems like, though, that when you get to 2000 for the X Men movie with Patrick Stewart, yeah. good old Captain Picard, you get in there and it's that's the birth of. The Marvel versus DC big screen race. This is where each trying to just saturate the market with two hundred to three hundred million dollar movies, time after time after time. Certainly, looking at box office, this is when we really start to see big numbers because X Men was two hundred ninety six million dollars. Um, what X- about X Two? X Two four hundred and seven million. Yeah, that's a and, big jump right yeah. there. Yeah, and in between you've got Unbreakable, which was two hundred and forty-eight million. Blade two, one hundred and fifty-five million. The Sam Raimi Spider-Man, eight hundred and twenty-one million seven hundred eight thousand dollars. And I'm willing to bet that there was a bump for Spider-Man too. Uh, bear with me, we'll get to that. No, uh, Spider-Man seven hundred eighty-three million. Oh, that's so, interesting because that one's widely considered to be the best of the trilogy. Yeah, about forty million less. Roughly. X-Men 2, 407 million. Daredevil, 179. And that was awful. Hulk, 245. Even the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen took $179 million. And that was the one movie of the, that killed Sean Connery. Yeah, one of the worst films I've ever seen. Ever. It's horrific. You um, know, I've still never made it all the way through. It's a running joke in my family because my dad got it on DVD. And the reason he got it on DVD was because my mother requested it on DVD. And she requested it on DVD because it had Sean Connery in it. And for a while, every time I would go and visit my parents, upon leaving and gathering all my stuff together, I'd find that dad had sneaked the DVD of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen into my stuff somewhere. That if you <laughs> take it away, don't have it here. It's like uh, like the gypsy passing on the curse. It's exactly <laughs> like that. And he was, you sure you don't want to borrow? It's good. It's, like, it's not good. Shut up. Um, but God, even Constantine scored $230 million. Wow. Wow. Son of the Mask did not. Um, Batman Begins, 372. So, yeah, it's clear that once you hit X-Men, big numbers start coming in. Even X-Men Last Stand, 459 million. So you, you clearly don't even have to make a good one. At all. Um, yeah, isn't it sad that um, Spider-Man 3, X-Men 3, the Christopher Nolan, Batman 3, these all seem to be the 
the worst of the franchises. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. I think X-Men 3 was better than Batman 3. That's just my opinion. That will upset a lot of people. Uh, but there you go. I'm not that bothered. Uh, the biggest one on this list appears to be the Dark Knight. Hang on, I've not quite got to... Yeah, it's the Avengers. One point. I think the Avengers, last time I looked at it, was the fourth highest grossing movie in history. Right, I didn't know it was that big. 1.5 billion so far. Uh, Iron Man 3, 1.2 billion. Dark Knight Rises, 1 billion, a little bit over. Um, so there's clearly money to be made with the right franchise here. There really is. Man of Steel, 649 million. My God, I didn't know Dread did so badly. 30 the new Dread? Yeah, $35 million worldwide. Box Have you office. seen it? Yeah, a couple of times. It deserves to have made $100 billion. Absolutely, it does. It's better I love than... that movie. Well, as, as a film, it made what? So $35 million and The Green Hornet made $227 million. It was better than The Green Hornet. It was better than Green Lantern. Or, oh no, Jonah Hex didn't make any money. Oh my god, that made $10 million. Again, with Dread, you have the problem it was an August release, so it's past the tentpole part of the blockbuster season. It's a rated R comic book movie, so you can't take your kids to see it, and anyone in Hollywood will tell you if you make a PG or a PG-13 movie, that's where the money is, because then you have the kids taking mom and dad and grandma and grandpa to see the movie on repeat viewings. You don't have that with rated R movies. So already by virtue of its rating, you're kicking down your profit margin. Yeah. It's it's brave to do if you want to get it across artistically that this is the vision that I have of Dread being a badass and just exploding everyone. But you're you're stabbing yourself in the side and letting yourself bleed out by doing so. Such a shame because it was so good and they're clearly not going to make another one. I bet it that it must have lost money at that. I would imagine. Does it say right there how much the budget was? Uh, I, I mean, $35 million isn't bad if it cost $18 million to make. That's true. Let's see what I can find. No, Especially if it finds life in the DVD market. B budget $45 million. Oh, no. That's a lot of DVDs to sell. Yeah, they, they <laughs> lost like $8.5 million on it. You don't make another one of those. Not if you know what's good for you. You know what is incredibly awesome about that movie? Is that you've got arguably one of the biggest stars in Hollywood right now. You've got, um, what's his name there, McCoy? Kyle Urban. Thank you. You've got Carl Urban and you never show his face once, the entire movie. It, that made me have so much respect for him as an actor. Because there's so many, Stallone wouldn't do it. You know? No, for Stallone it was all about the face shot. As a matter of fact, in his contract, I believe, if I remember correctly... In his contract, there was a part stipulating that he had to have the, have the helmet off a certain percentage of the time. Right. That makes sense. But not no such thing for Carl Urban. Never took it off. And I think that was a big bone of contention with the comic book fans, that Dredd never takes his helmet off. And so when There's Stallone the one it, at the very, very beginning where you see the back of his head in shadow. A second and a half later, he lowers the helmet and that's it for the movie. The rest is entirely body and voice acting. And it's brilliant. Love that film. Might buy it on Blu-ray. 
If we if we get enough people to buy on Blu-ray, they can make a second one. But they won't. And I was, I was just thinking about this since I made the stupid comment about the DVD market. The target audience for Dread isn't buying DVDs anymore. It's on Netflix. There's no reason to buy it. Yeah, I think you're right. I, you know, and as much as I love it, if I won the Euro Millions lottery and had 40 million to spend, I wouldn't invest it in another Judge Dredd film. Hmm. It's not it's not a sensible thing to do with your money. Okay, you end up with the world's most expensive Blu-ray to watch at home, but you're not going to see that 40 million again. Mind you, I don't know, you could make it PG-13 and actually get your <laughs> money back, couldn't you? That's selling out a bit. But Judge Dredd, or I'm sorry, Just Dredd, not Judge, Just Dredd, so good. I recommend it to everyone. Clearly, though, the entire reason that it exists is because of Batman. I guess you could make an argument that it's because of Superman in 1978. But I feel like when Batman came out in 1989, it was so different, so so much darker. It was clearly a movie that reflected what would become the spirit of the 1990s. A little bit cynical extremely dark um a little bit a little bit violent because let's face it there's there's some really violent weird things with batman just straight up killing people in yep. that movie yeah and everybody made a big deal here this summer with the man of steel that superman would never kill zod whoops spoilers um but batman killed a whole bunch of people in 1989 and nobody said anything about it did he kill people in that film oh yeah yeah, he kind of. Oh, killed. yeah, he does, doesn't he? I'm just remembering all the people falling off the tower at the end, and various things like that. And technically, he kind sure. of kills the Joker. Yeah, you could make a bunch of arguments about that. Batman doesn't have that whole, or does he in the comic? The whole idea that Batman doesn't kill people, but he probably does. Um, in the modern day comic, Batman A never uses a handgun. Although in the 30s, when he started off, he did use guns. Um, if you go back to the 30s and look at some of those early contacts, he straight up shoots people to death. Right. I mean, that's that's a thing that existed. But in the comic books, he kills quite a few people. Hmm. I mean, Batman's Batman does what has to be done. Right. See, I'm coming off the back it's, of Spider-Man who doesn't kill people, but often suffers the consequences of not killing them. Spider-Man... Spider-Man's entirely different. We're going to get into the DC-Marvel divide here. Because Marvel is very much um, more angst and more violence, but less death, I feel. I can't compare, I suppose, because I I haven't read any DC. DC uh, has deaths quite frequently, especially in the big issues. I mean, if you're looking at stuff like Final Crisis, Martian Manhunter is killed, a whole bunch of, like, billions of people on the planet die. I find that the Marvel um, Universe is very segregated into what kind of things happens to what characters. So if you're just going to read Spider-Man, then it's going to be quite like you say. There's not going to be any a lot of death and that sort of thing. Whereas in other yeah, comic books... Yeah, they have books, their own pockets. Yeah, there, there's a lot more. And I, I feel like there's... There might, I might be completely wrong about this. I feel like there are just many more characters that live in the Marvel Universe. And so if you want to read... The, that kind of thing you can do, but you can also avoid it. Well, Spider-Man is actually responsible for one of the most famous deaths in all of comics history. The death of Gwen Stacy. Oh yes. The death of Gwen Stacy. When physics started to work again. <laughs> yes. 
Everybody, I was just watching or listening to something. I can't remember if it was a podcast or a TV commentary of some sort where they were talking about how the Green Goblin killed Gwen Stacy. And I stood up and I said, no, Spider-Man killed Gwen Stacy because he didn't think about science. Exactly. We have to ignore the fact that this would have happened to so many characters within superhero universes. Well, there's the huge joke on the Big Bang Theory in one of the very first episodes about how Superman would swoop down and catch Lois Lane, and Sheldon, sa- or Sheldon says, um, you know, his, his arms with Lois now falling at a rate of something like 130 miles per second per second uh, would have just sliced her in three equal parts. Yeah, pretty much. So many. Every time somebody gets caught after falling off something, consider them dead. Broken neck. All that kind of thing. You can't really do that. Or maybe you can over very small falling distances, but not off the top of a building. Especially a big building. Poor physics. It's easy to dismiss when we don't want it, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Where are we here then? I have a list of, of total box office take for various superhero films. Oh, so like all Batman movies, all Superman movies, yeah. all X-Men movies, that sort of thing? Yeah. And it's it, it actually goes exactly how you'd think. The Avengers, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Iron Man 3. Wait, Sp- wait, wait. How does that break down, though? Is it the Avengers and all of the Iron Man films? No. Uh, that's just the Avengers. So the Avengers made more money than all of the Iron Man films together? No. I'm not saying that, no. Number one is the Avengers. And it's saying lifetime gross, uh, $623 million. This might be out of date. Uh, Dark Knight is number two. Dark Knight Rises is number three. Iron Man 3 is number four. Iron See, Man- I thought you were saying like this was a list that said all the Iron Man movies together made oh, right. blah. Yeah. All the Batman movies together made blah. No, it's not that. Sorry, my, my mistake. Uh, the Incredibles comes in at number 12. Hancock at number 15. Uh, yeah, I've never even seen that. I'm just looking for anything that's particularly standout as not being a, like a Marvel or DC one. Megamind at number 26, which actually wasn't bad. Uh, Ninja Turtles, number 28. The Wolverine, I haven't Ninja seen... Ninja Turtles is that, by the way. Is that the old um, body costume Turtles, or is it the animated one? Yeah, it's the... Uh, the one you and I would have seen. Okay. Um, so, Corey Feldman as Michelangelo Turtles. Yep. 1990. Is what it says. Actor Sam Rockwell. That can't be right. But that's what Pardon me. Are you saying that Sam Rockwell was in the Turtles? I'm not saying that. This is saying that. Bear with oh, me. Oh, boy. Here we go to IMDb. I didn't think he was. I would never have said that. And now I'm looking at it. It doesn't feel right. It wasn't Sam Rockwell in the Turtles. Oh, hang on. It's got a star, which apparently denotes a minor role. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 1990. Head Thug. Head Thug. There you go. Minor role, indeed. Followed up on his um, stirring performance as Jason in Over the Limit, ABC After School Special. Awesome. Over the Limit. Was that a film about drink driving? Are you familiar with the after-school specials, first of all? It, it strikes me there's some sort of one-off drama that will probably teach you some kind of severe moral lesson. 
You've got it. That's exactly it. And yes, high school student debates whether to come forward about the facts of a drunk driving accident that turned tragic. There you go. So I imagine there are some possibly on the dangers of drug taking, uh, smoking, getting in cars with strangers, that sort of thing. That's what it sounds like. But I mean, there are so many of these. I would... I'd be surprised if there any, is anyone out there who can actually remember any one after-school special. Right. Now, we, we all have these these things that come on and just, describe, uh, just designed to scare the crap out of kids that watch them. We excel at that. Honestly. <laughs> Go and watch Apaches. That's, that's all I have to say. It's terrifying now. Um, that's pretty much it. This, this list has put Orgasmo in there by... Uh, the South Park guys, I wouldn't have classed Trey that. Trey Parker and Matt Stone? Yeah, I wouldn't have classed that as a superhero film myself, but there you go. Uh, I don't want to get off on this for, you know, a half an hour, but do you prefer Orgasmo or ba- Basketball? Basketball. Yeah, that's the right call. Yeah, Basketball. That was, that. do you know what? If we were talking about films that we wore the VHS out of, then base, it, were it to have been on a VHS for us ever, that would have been on the list. <laughs> Um, but that was that was the latest sort of college thing. There were there were sort of three films. If you imagine our house that we lived in as students was the one house that everyone else came to, and that's because we had the big TV, which back in the day was a thirty six inch television. It was like being at an IMAX in your living room. Oh yeah, I've got one sat here right next to me, and it's like the antique of the house. It's looked down upon with scorn. Yeah. But we, we were paying so much money for that TV. We rented it, and so it was a monthly fee of something like £30. It cost as much as my mobile phone does now. Um, wow. <laughs> just, to, just to have this TV. But it made us the center of everything that was social. And we had either side of the TV sort of two floor-to-ceiling bookcases that were just all videotapes and DVDs. We had hundreds, possibly thousands of these. And so everyone would come to our place and watch movies. And three that consistently did the rounds were Basketball, Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo, and Freddy Got Fingered. I can get behind the first two. Not a good collection of films, really, uh, especially Freddy Got Fingered, which is just watching someone have a mental breakdown. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's what we did. So I, I've seen Basketball a thousand times. I can possibly just sit down and write you out the script. I say that a lot. I should try and do that one day. See how far I actually get. There was a point in time where I could do that for any of the Star Wars movies from start to finish. Just sit down with a pencil. Yeah. Just open. You know, I've seen each of those movies more than 90 times. I can't imagine how how many times I've seen Star Wars. I'd love to know. I wish there was some. There was a point. There was a point where I was a kid when I was actually counting. And I mean, if you're talking about shows that you or tv god damn it movies that you wore out on vhs star wars is definitely the one we went through so many copies of that me too but i mean we 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 were at the point for a long time where the only copy of it had been recorded off the tv yes yeah we had those copies too that was good remember how often star wars used to be on tv quite a lot well fairly often it was definitely on every christmas here Without a doubt, it was always on at Christmas. And, and for some reason, it was only ever that the first one that they showed at Christmas. Um, I didn't see Empire Strikes Back 
until oh, I don't know when it would have been, but it was the last one of the three that I actually saw. Wow. Just because, um, you know, you know, because you couldn't go out and buy it on VHS because you didn't it that didn't happen in the early 80s. Um, Well, they were so expensive before they actually went to the rental store model. Exactly. Um, And so I saw Star Wars because it was constantly on TV. I saw uh, Return of the Jedi because that came out in 1983 and I was just old enough to be taken to the cinema to see it. But that was the first movie I ever saw in the cinema, too. My dad took me to a, a drive-in yeah. for Return of the Jedi. Good um, times. I remember it so clearly. To be honest, the sound must have been three or four years old. I remember sitting in the cinema with my dad waiting for it to start. Uh, and I only remember sitting on the hood of the car. I don't remember anything about the movie at that point. Right. Um, but because, yeah, so apart from that, you're at the mercy of what TV decide to show or what they decide to rerun at the, the cinema. And so I had no chance of seeing Empire Strikes Back. And it might not have been until we actually got to the point where you would buy a VHS uh, that was pre-recorded until I actually saw Empire Strikes Back. So of the three, it's probably the one I've seen the least. Which is very odd for some people to take in, but that's just how it went. You know, TV was the only source of films for, for a long time. Um, I, I remember you'd be waiting till Christmas. I don't know how it was for you guys, but we'd be waiting till Christmas when there'd be a whole season of actual good films on that you'd heard of, uh, and waiting for that first Christmas advert on BBC to show the films that are coming this Christmas. And that being one of the most exciting parts of Christmas. You know, I don't really remember it being that way. I, at least not for Christmas. The only like time of the year movie that I remember, being excited about expecting every year was the wizard of oz which they would show at thanksgiving here every year and i understand that you don't have thanksgiving so you don't have that dynamic but it was what you would watch on thanksgiving night right you see i would expect wizard of oz to be on around christmas though Hmm. i really would that that's one of those wizard of oz one of the star wars films at least although nowadays they might go for sort of uh we've got all the star wars films that kind of thing it's just, I don't know, it's just a part of the year that is forever gone now because we have such access to what we want when we want it. It does kind of ruin everything, doesn't it? It does a bit. <laughs> There's no anticipation. There's no build-up. But I tell you what, I won't go back. I, I No, not go for back. anything. No, I, I love Netflix too much and other means of getting films and TV shows and that sort of thing. I, we, we've gained other things, like the idea of marathoning show. And that sort of thing. Like I've just if finished. if eight year old Jason knew that he could pull a machine out of his pocket that would play any movie that he wanted virtually at any time remotely without having to be plugged into a wall anywhere, eight year old Jason would have orgasmed all over the place. Eight year old Rich would have done something very similar. In fact, <laughs> if I could, if I had a time machine, one of those questions: If you had a time machine, what would you do, and where would you go, and when? And I have to say, it wouldn't be long before I went back in time to meet eight-year-old Rich just to give him ten minutes with an iPhone and just see the reaction on his face. Can you imagine? Oh, it, it would have been incredible. Just incredible. I remember being impressed the first time I got a computer magazine that had a cassette on the front of it. And that just sounds like 
such an ancient thing now. That that is that is ludicrous. A magazine with a cassette tape, sellotaped on to, on to the front of the magazine, and it has things like game demos on it, and that was incredible. That was just mind blowing back in the day. Uh, this is something we're definitely going to discuss in the next episode that we record right after this. But I, I do want to just um, finish up with Superman and Batman real quick before we jump into all that fun stuff with old tech. Okay. Because I would, I would feel remiss if we end this particular recording without talking about Superman versus Batman. Okay. You got Ben Affleck, who's been cast as Batman, coming up here to 2015, the big movie. Yep. Are you excited? No. You're not excited. No. Richard Smith. Right. Here's my problem. Uh, oh. I don't. Right. First of all, not a single problem with Ben Affleck. Quite like Ben Affleck, actually. I don't know. As if he's, do I. I don't know if you're supposed to say that out loud, but I, I don't have a problem with Ben Affleck in the slightest. I especially. And for like, the record, Daredevil was not his fault. No, he was just in it. When you watch films that he's made, like The Town and Gone Baby Gone and other films, he's actually really good. There's, there's, you, you can't look at his personal work and say that he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to making films. And so, why the hell shouldn't he be Batman? Don't have a problem with that in the slightest. And I don't know who I would pick to be Batman over Ben Affleck, to be perfectly well, honest. Well, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would have been much better. Why didn't they go with Carl Urban? I'm guessing it probably had something to do with other contracts. But he would have been perfect. They were looking for a 40-year-old Batman, a grizzled, experienced, world-weary Batman. Carl Urban fits that perfectly. How tall is he, though? There's a thing. Because I think Batman's got to be quite a big, imposing figure. Um... I'm I don't I'm sure he's taller than Michael Keaton. Well, there you go. As I've typed in Carl Urban into Google, the first suggestion is Carl Urban Batman. <laughs> so clearly, you're not the first person to have this thought. Um, I'm comfortable admitting that I probably have never had a thought that somebody else hasn't had first. Fair enough, but I do think he would make a good Batman. But definitely, I'm kind of I'm severely put off Batman by the Christopher Nolan films. I'm Batmaned out. Really. It's like you had all that money and all that chance and you made something that just annoyed me. And so now I'm done with it. And it's kind of, it's made worse by the anger of the fans of the Nolan Batman films. Because there were, there were people saying it was the best film ever made before it had come out, the last one. Um, and and they that you will get absolutely swamped with abuse if you to go on the internet and say that the batman films weren't good and so i'm kind of i'm off it and i didn't see man of steel either so uh, that was going to be my next question right there yeah. i think that if you go and see the man of steel you might feel differently it's extremely divisive we both have friends fellow podcasters people that we hold in high regard that didn't like it but i personally thought that it was a great version of superman and i can't wait for a an analogous version of Batman to be thrown into the mix. I think that if they do the same thing with Batman, get him away from the realism, get him away from the high drama, get him back into acting like a super hero, like a comic book character. Yeah. That everything's going to be just fine. I, I think it could be okay. I will, I will get to it. I missed every summer film this year. So 
sort of the period between now and Christmas when all these films start coming out on Blu-ray, you'll occasionally just see me shout up on Facebook. Going, I finally saw Pacific Rim. Yay. <laughs> That's so yeah, here's where I get to brag then. I'm a dad, so I didn't get to see any movies for almost two years. And this summer, my wife said, okay, go ahead. Now, I, I missed Iron Man 3, and I missed Star Trek. I still haven't seen either one of those. But I did see Man of Steel, Pacific Rim, Riddick, and... Um, shoot, there was one other one. Oh, uh, The World's End. The only one of those I've seen is World's End, which I did enjoy. Uh, but no, I got to just due to sort of financial issues and time constraints with Alison's job and that sort of thing. One thing sure. I didn't realize, right, when I when I was a kid growing up, one thing I always wanted in a relationship. It might sound weird, but one thing I always liked the idea about having a girlfriend was that you'd always have somebody to go to the movies with. You could any film. There's someone to go and see. A film, there's someone you can go with and then you grow up and you become an adult and you, you get a, a girlfriend or a long term partner or whatever and you realise that's not necessarily always true and when you're an adult you're a bit more prepared to just go and see a film on your own but then you find out that if it's one she wants to see even though she can't go then you you can't go That that sort of thing if it was just a case of getting me to see every film I wanted to see at the cinema, no problem. That'd be fine. I'd just take myself in the middle of the day and sit on my own and watch them, and it'd be fine. But I See, I've made can't. my peace with this whole setup. I've been married for uh, 11 years now, and Lisa is many awesome things, and she has a couple of really terrible things. But um, <laughs> <laughs> That's just marriage, folks. Uh, don't, don't romanticize it. But um, one thing that she is not is a geek, and she just she's done with the geek movies. She has sat through so many of them. She was such a trooper before we had kids. She went and saw the first 2009 Star Trek movie with me. She's been to other superhero movies, but she's done with it now. So this summer when we finally had the kid thing under control a little bit and a little bit of free time coming back, she gave me the nod, and she said, I will watch the kid you go see your movies. And I I centered myself and said, okay, I am fine with seeing movies by myself now. I'm I'm a big boy. This is something that I can live with. I am. I, I'm absolutely fine with the idea. I was even fine with the idea of seeing the last two Harry Potters on my own. That feels like <laughs> it, it should have a special level of shame with it. <laughs> so what I actually discovered is there are certain films where we can have the conversation of, you really don't want to see this film ever, do you? No? Well, I'm going to go and see it then. Goodbye. Um, but this summer, that wasn't the case with so many films. She wanted to see all of them. Pacific Rim, uh, End of the World, what else? We had the Alan Partridge movie, which did ever so well over here. Can't wait to see that. Uh, Man of Steel. Just so many films. So many films that I didn't get to see. I don't know. We t we tried to go and see Rush the other day and forgot. That was ridiculous. We arranged it. We'd pick the time we were going to go and see it and then forgot to go. Ludicrous. I'm I'm just. That is weird. Just put off you, it you, now. 
that was the point of what you were going to do and then you forgot to do it yeah oh it was the next day wow. though we'd slept we'd got on with our day and then it just got it was one of those days where the time gets away from you and it's like oh damn we forgot to go to the cinema that was that was what we were going to do <laughs> there's apparently a very nice new cinema opened up in leeds uh where you just sit on a comfy sofa with one other person which sounds pretty good uh so we were going to go but your some- tastes your taste and my taste being what they are, I really, really want you to see Man of Steel, Rich. I, I would be thrilled to find out what your feedback is. If it, if you don't like it, that's fine. I understand. People can have different tastes. But you and I are a, a cut from the same cloth. I think that you will come away saying, yeah, that's that's the Superman that I needed after Superman Returns. I haven't seen Superman Returns. Oh, well. But... Yeah, I'm I'm happy to go. I don't have a problem with with Superman as a character generally, um, and so I'll I'll sit and watch it, and I'm quite prepared to enjoy it. Do you have any input on who would win in the fight, Superman or Batman? Well, because this we... is an age question. It's it's been debated to death. What what's to debate? Superman can fly and shoot laser beams out of his eyes. Batman's just got some cool gear. How is mm-hmm. how is there even a surely Sp- Superman? could pick up Batman in one hand and just break every bone in his body. If he can get to him. Surely he could just grab Batman, fly into space, and drop him. See, here's where the comic books come to play, because they have fought many times. Batman usually comes out on top. Really? How, then Batman in Frank was... Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, the, the quintessential book, the big one, Batman beats the shit out of Superman. Wow. It's because Batman is the eternal chess player. He has everything mapped out in his mind. He has anticipated everything that Superman can do. And because Superman has all those powers, he's never had to strategize. He just relies on brute strength. And so when Batman comes up with ways to get around all that, he's powerless. He's not quick on his feet. He's not smart. He's, he doesn't, um, he, he's not good with tactics. Right. But ultimately, he's bulletproof. I mean, isn't that the overarching problem with Superman? Well... In Jeff Loeb's Hush, another one of the big Batman books, one of the formative ones, uh, Batman beats the shit out of Superman again with a kryptonite ring. Oh, right. See, there's this point where Superman gives Batman a kryptonite ring and says, this is in case you ever need to take me down because I go out of control. Right. I'm with you. So Batman sticks it on his finger and starts swinging them irons back and forth, punching the crap out of Superman. He uses a lot of psychological tricks in that book, too. He, like, throws Superman off by telling him how Im- impossible it will ever be to take Batman down. It's cool. It's good. Right. Okay. I'll g- I might give that a go, actually, because I'd like to see how that plays out. I mean, there's lots of versions of this fight in the comic books. and be- There's arguments to be made that it's unrealistic that Batman wins so so often. But have you ever heard of Red Sun? It's a very popular Batman-Superman book. I've heard of it. It's really a Superman book. I mean, it's all about what if Superman la- landed in communist Russia instead of in Kansas. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And Batman appears in it for a heartbeat, but Batman wins again, and it's only because of the intervention of of a, basically a communist Wonder Woman that Batman loses out in the end. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll give that a go. I'll, I'll read that. I'd like. So to... I. Go ahead. Based on based on all of that backstory, I'm going to predict that in the upcoming movie, Batman's going to be called into rain in soups. And it is it a Batman versus Superman film? It's not Batman and Superman. 
Well, there's so little media to take in about it right now. There's really only the Comic-Con announcement. But there's also the IMDb page. And if you look up the movie on IMDb, it's billed as Superman versus Batman. Right. Fair enough. I will watch it. What can I say? It will go in my eyes. It's good times. Are we done for this one then? I think that's all that we have to say right now about Batman. I feel like it's a, a thing that could be mined to death. We didn't even like talk about all the cartoon iterations of Batman and how he changes over the years and all that kind of stuff, but I, I'm not sure that we really want to get into that. I think that we covered some really cool stuff, though. I totally agree. Excuse me, I was just drinking. Yes, <laughs> I totally agree. So that's that one. Let's close this one down. Is there anything you want to plug? Um, right I, now, I will leave this pl- plug free. I think I, I might stick something on at the beginning. I do feel like I snuck in a reference to Atomic Trivia War already, so that's that's the plug for that. Plus, mentioning it again here right now, it's a double sneaky tactic. It is. No, it's good, though. Plug away. <laughs> so there's that. But I hope everybody's enjoying uh, Remastered here, our return. And we might have Allison joining us for Remastered at some point here in the future. But uh, we eventually do hope to get back to Remote Patrol as well, which I really, really enjoyed doing. We will indeed. There's so many more things to do with with Remote Patrol. We barely scratched the surface. We didn't even get to some of the huge TV hallmarks. Exactly. There's so much more work to do. But it's good to do so, this again. I like remembering. Yeah. Remembering good. is good. Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps and how my, things used to be. Keeps my aging brain healthy. <laughs> Got to keep it active. That's that's how it goes. All right. Well, let's shut it down here. Next, we're going to talk about things that we knew well that just don't exist anymore. So look forward to that next week. Bye-bye, everybody. See you later.